0: Go podcast is brought to you by the sanctuary for more information please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. this morning uh, I want to I want to talk about uh, this new series that we've been we've been in but as, as I do, it's gonna be, today's going to be kind of a little bit different for you. Like, what Sunday isn't a little bit different, right? I don't know. Um. I wanna I wanna dig in a little bit differently today, how, how we get to what we want to get to. So if you have the app, I encourage you open your app right now. If you don't have the app, I encourage you get the app because here's why. Because inside the app are the scriptures, the the blanks that I'm filling in notes for you so you can take this and run. So often, here's what happens. The Bible says we are hearers of the word, but we're called to be doers as well. And how often do we forget what what was what did he talk about this morning? That's probably like by the time you reach the car right it's like what did he talk about that's what the app's about is it enables you to take the the not just the teaching with you but the word with you where was that scripture what was that scripture and what did it say again so that's the beauty of the app well this morning i want to talk about several things and it all has to do with our series again sex is overrated and underestimated now, what do I mean when I say that? Right? Wait, what? I, I want to unpack that statement. See, the world it has overemphasized and exaggerated the sexual experience, and in response, the church has unfortunately at times refused to address its importance. We don't talk about that. That it's just it's ha- we're not allowed to talk about it in youth group. You can't talk about it in young adults. You can't talk you just can't talk about that. I'm not in the church. Not in the church. Right? And while our confused culture insists on chasing love, that's this series, right? My desire is to restore the rightful and proper place of sex, love, and relationships in our lives. And to do that, we have to cultivate a passion, a passionate devotion, a passionate pursuit of honoring God's name in and through our lives. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, that all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful, and then it breaks down this, this, this phrase useful, this word being useful, right? It's to teach us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It brings to us into an alignment, right? And it teaches us what to do It's right. That's what scripture does for us. It's, the Bible says that God used it to prepare and equip us to do every good work. So I rely on this. And we know that God's word is living and active, right? It's living and active. These are not just dried up words. It's dried up ink on a page. There's something beautiful that's happening here. In fact, some of you may not know it, but I just want to show it to you very quickly. This is is my table. This This is what I look at every Sunday morning, right? The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart and a clear conscience and a genuine faith. I want them to be and encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to love, to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. And I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into him and God's love will keep you strong. This is, this is, why, I, this is why I get up here on Sunday mornings. This is my motivation. I, I look at this and I read it again. And I go, Lord, let me, let me be your spokesperson that brings people together, that brings your love into their lives, that changes and transforms. Who needs more words? we got plenty of words. I need, I need transformation. I don't need more information. Well, not only is there a dynamic that happened, it's called the inspiration of Scripture. That's what we just read. We just, talked about in Timothy, this is that god's word is inspired right there's this breath inspiration that god to the to the prophets and to paul and to peter and to john and to luke right he says he's breathing inspiration when the scriptures were written but i want you to know there's also the dynamic of god's breath and inspiration when the scriptures are read something happens when you read scripture you go <laughs> Not necessarily a new revelation, but an illumination. How many times have you done this? I've never seen that scripture. Who inserted this into my Bible overnight, right? It's like, I've read this scripture before, but I've not read that verse. How did this verse get in here? I found myself in that place. That's the inspiration. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to offer with no, no pastoral commentary, no polls, no polls. No studies, no surveys. I want to offer to you today God's word all by itself as a counsel for strategies in fighting sexual sin. So open up your app. Here's the first one. Just fill this one in. Sexuality is a good gift from God. Good gift. It was part of God's perfect creation. It was his idea his plan, his design. Genesis 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 24, 25. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. Now the man and his wife are both naked and they felt no shame. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 and 5. Husbands to fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. The husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Don't deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because your lack of self-control. Here's the next one, fill in. The Bible's sexual guardrails are intended to protect something precious, not deny something pleasant. Hear that, there's guardrails got put in place and it's easy to memorize the seventh commandment. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery, right? First Corinthians chapter six verse eighteen: Run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, because sexual morality is a sin against your own body. First Thessalonians four three: God's will is for you to be holy, and to stay away from all sexual sin. How do we fight this? Get your head in the clouds. This is your next fill in the blank. Get your head in the clouds. Get heavenly minded. Where am I going? It's not about now, it's about then. And getting our head in the clouds is the best way to transpose desire. Those desires, those wrong desires, get those out, get heaven in. Lust disables our capacity for higher spiritual joys. Psalm 73 25 says, Who have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health's gonna fail. My spirit might grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. 1 Peter 2, friends, I'm going to warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Mark chapter 4, those seeds were sown and all too quickly the message gets crowded out by the worries of this life the lure of wealth and the desire for other things and no fruit gets produced. Here's next fill in. We gotta develop a biblical worldview. We have to see everything in relation to God. How does God fit into this? Don't ask what's wrong with it. Ask instead, does this maximize my experience of God's presence in my life, right? First Corinthians chapter 10, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I talked about that last week. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father. Here's one for you, fill these in. For singles, this is for you, recognize that sexual relations aren't essential to full personhood and happiness. Jesus was single, sexually abstinent, and fully human. And for you marrieds, recognize that sexual relations aren't essential. Everybody's got to get this. They're not essential to full personhood and happiness. God desired marriage, and he designed it this way to be a living parable of his commitment to the church. Look what Ephesians 5 says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives submit to your husbands and everything. Husbands, this means you gotta love your wives just like Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for her to make her holy and cleaned, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she's going to be holy and without fault. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother, joined his wife, two united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one How's everybody doing? I'm moving pretty quick, right? And this is what you get with no commentary. We just go, what does the word say? Let's get there, right? We don't need to explain it. I don't need to dig into Greek for you or Hebrew for you. It just is what it is. This is the word, right? Here's next fill-in. Be diligent with our eyes. We've got to get diligent with our eyes. We have to avoid ungodly visual stimulation. Jesus told us that the eyes are the lamp to the body, the window to the soul is what we call it, right? But this is what our eyes do. Job 31 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look at lust with lust at a young woman or for ladies to a young man. Psalm 101.3, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I will put nothing, I love this phrase, worthless before my eyes. Romans 13.14, instead, we're to clothe ourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus and don't think about ways to indulge our evil desires. 2 Timothy 2, 2, 2. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, we're to pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. We're to enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Here's the next one to fill in. Look at the opposite sex as eternal people. We are all eternal people. Realize that lust is just inevitably depersonalizes and despiritualizes people. That's what lust does. It's It's all about me. It's not about that person, right? John chapter five, looking at eternal people. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. Those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Matthew twenty five forty six. They will go into, away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. We are eternal beings. So we have stopped in 2 Corinthians five 16, We've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Here's the next fill in. Beware of feeling above accountability. These are strategies for avoiding sexual sin. Be aware of feeling above accountability. We've got to be in a group where we can be exhorted, and correct and direct one another every day just the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews chapter three says this. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You've got to warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. This is a big one, especially these days. Do not be excessively alone. Fill that one in, alone. We need to get busy with some task. We gotta pray in the spirit for God's deliverance of this alone time. Matthew chapter six, verse 13. Don't let us yield to temptation, Jesus teaching us how to pray, but rescue us from the evil one. Luke chapter 22 There, he told them, "Pray that you will not give in to temptation." It's a garden, and then Psalm one nineteen. I love Psalm one nineteen. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. This has a lot to offer us. Here's your next fill-in. We're almost done. Everybody okay? I'm moving right. You're like, wow, this just happens, right? Okay, stockpile your thoughts. Man, we need to stockpile good thoughts. So easy for us to focus on the negative, and it takes practice. We got attention and focus to, to get this to accomplish this, right? Philippians 4:8, you've heard it. Beloved, one final thing. Beloved, I'm talking to you, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. On what? What is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. One final thing. Think about things that are excellent. Things that are worthy of praise. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Mm. Again, beloved, dear brothers and sisters, that's that word, beloved, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, and pleasing and perfect here's the last one be encouraged god is patient he accepts us as we are but he loves us enough not to leave us there right exodus chapter 34 listen to this the lord passed in front of moses he is so patient right Calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I, is God speaking. I am slow to anger. I am filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family's affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations. And by the way, I don't want to just leave us there. I think that's a scripture that a lot of people just kind of, they, they get that and it stills fear. In Jeremiah chapter 31, God talks about the new covenant that was coming with Jesus, right? And here's what he said, Jeremiah chapter 31, in regards to the new covenant, God tells us this. The people will no longer quote this proverb, the parents have eaten sour grapes and their children's mouths pucker at the taste. All people die for their own sins. Those who eat the sour grapes will be the ones whose mouths will pucker. See, we've been saying, oh, my, my, my parents and grandparents were alcoholics, right? It keeps going, right? He says, I'm gonna put my instructions deep within them and I'm gonna write them on their hearts and I will never again remember their sins. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 15, I need you to listen. Today I'm giving you a choice. It's a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. I'm commanding you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, keep his decrees, keep his regulations by walking in his ways And if you do this, you're gonna live. If you do this, you're gonna multiply and the Lord's gonna bless you and the land that you're about to enter and to occupy. But if you turn your heart away, if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen and if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long good life in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to occupy. That's tomorrow. I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Remember, remember, a choice between life and death, prosperity, disaster. Oh, that you choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God by obeying him, and by committing yourselves firmly to him. And this is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Bible has a lot to offer us. If we'll simply open it, there's plenty of instruction. Series will continue next week. Let me pray. Father, this morning this instruction is so that believers would be filled with a love that comes from a pure heart a clear conscience and a genuine faith so that they would be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love having complete confidence and understanding your mysterious plan which is no longer mysterious it was Christ he came, saved us And I pray that our love will overflow more and more and that we would keep growing in the knowledge and understanding of what you have done for us so that Jesus will make his home in our hearts as we trust in him and that our roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep us strong. I pray, Father God, that as we going to worship this morning, it would not just be words on a screen. It would not be a distraction looking at a drummer, looking at a guitarist, looking at a singer. It would be, wait a minute. There is an audience of one and these are my words. Somebody else wrote them, but these are my words of devotion. These are my words of dedication that God, you would be glorified in me and through me. Let the living word, let it transform Even as I said earlier, not just dry ink on a page, but wet ink all over me. I'm living it out. And so, Father, as we worship you this morning, I don't worship not as long as I have to wear these masks. Oh, God, don't let the rocks cry out. That's my job. That's our job. So I pray we would move beyond whatever we brought in, whatever we're going through could be I don't know, financial, relational, health. I, I don't know the stuff that's going on. I just don't, I don't necessarily feel like worshiping, but I got here. Okay, next step, come on. Open your mouth. I don't have a good voice. It doesn't matter. The Lord says, praise me. This is who, this is what I made you for. Worship. And so I pray as we go into this time of worship that you would continue the transformation of the beloved. Lord, you are, Jesus, you are presenting to yourself a bride, spotless and white. And that transformation happens right here in worship. We had the information, but it's the transformation that you're after. And so as we yield, as we step back, as we push ourselves away and say, God, you're in front. I'm getting off the throne again. You take over. I yield. We give you your place, your rightful place in our lives. In Jesus' name, let it be so. Let it be done. (music) Thank <music> you.